Well, if you have your Bibles with you, open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings. It's on page 318 in your Bible. Or it might be close to that page. Um, Let's see, as we kind of transition into this time... I wanted to bring to your attention just a few things that's really important. Uh, it's probably most important of today, and that is uh, be in prayer for uh, Josh Gear. Uh, Josh fills in. He's filled in a couple of times in just these past couple of months. You know him. His father passed away this week, and it was kind of unexpected. And so I know it's a tough time for uh, Josh and, and Lori. Uh, it's, uh, the funeral is going to be in Oklahoma. It's going to be on the 19th. So I guess that's a week from, uh, uh, this coming Saturday. And, uh, just remember to pray for him. Um, also, if you will, if you're just writing down names, um, at this moment, I'll take advantage of it. I remember Joe Baker, who's still in the hospital. He's a longtime member of Red Baptist Church and desperately needs a healing touch, uh, from God. Uh, he's over at Hughley. Uh, remember Bill Powell? Um, this week, um, or the 17th, is when he's going uh, to meet with some, his doctors to get a plan uh, for what they're going to do with him uh, regarding his cancer. Uh, remember uh, to uh, continue to pray for Larry Knight, as well as for Augie. And uh, just for what it's worth, this coming Wednesday night will be the funeral service for Lois Braswell. Uh, the funeral service will be at Skyview. It will be for, uh, the, the, excuse me, the visitation service will be Wednesday night at Skyview from 6 to 8. The funeral for Lois will be at Skyview Thursday morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, Lois was a really longtime member of Red Baptist Church. Uh, obviously, she hasn't been here in a few years just only because of her health. Uh, otherwise, she would, she would be here. Uh, but she's with the Lord right now, and she's doing a whole lot better than all of us in this room. So we're thankful for that. But let's remember to pray for her family, too. Okay, so uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. I'm going to go ahead and ask if you will. Go ahead and stand. Uh, there's not very many verses here this morning. Uh, in honor of God's word, and uh, we'll get right into it. In 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, it says this, Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Behold now, the place before you where we are living, it is too limited for us. Please let us go to the Jordan, and each of us take from there a beam, and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. So he said, go then one said please be willing to go with your servants and he answered okay i will go so he went with them and when they came to the jordan they cut down trees and as one was felling a beam that says a tree is falling the axe head fell into the water and he cried out and he said alas my master for it was borrowed Then the man of God said, where did it fall? And when he showed him the the place, the area, he cut off a stick and he threw it in there and he made the iron head float. 
And he said, take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand and he took it. Let's pray. Father, we just want to come before you this morning. And God, we know that you are here. And Jesus, we just want to ask that you would really speak to our hearts. God, that you would really help us, Lord, to hear from you. Lord, this message is for all of us uh, in this room. And I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear and uh, the desire to just want to be open to all that you want to do and all that you want to say. And Lord, we really want to ask that for the names that were mentioned, uh, God, we just ask for healing. And God, we really want to pray and ask that you would give that healing touch. Father, I just want to lift up Jack Alley's daughter, Kathy, and her family. Lord, as she really needs that healing touch too, just the whole family. And Father, we just want to come before you. There just seems to be so many things going on. But through it all, as the praise team just reminded us, God, you're there. And you can take care of all these things. So Lord, we pray that you would meet these needs this morning. And God, that you would do what you do best. Make all things new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Now, this story that we're going to read that involves uh, Elisha and a miracle that happened one day um, is a kind of an obscure story that's written in the Bible. I mean, what does it matter to be uh, reading about some guys who went over and started cutting down trees, and as they were cutting down trees, one had an axe. As he's swinging at the tree, the the axe head came flying off uh, the handle, and it went. It just went out in the water, and of course, it sunk. It, it's, it's made of iron, and it was a very traumatic thing. So much so that the servant that was doing the cutting called out to the prophet and asked the prophet Elisha, "Hey, there's a problem, and here is the problem." And Elisha, who did not say to him. Why are you bugging me over something as trivial as, as, as this? He asked the servant, well, where did it land? Just show me the area of where it went out in the water. And the servant just pointed out to the area. And when he did, the Bible says Elisha took a stick and he threw it out there in that area. And when he did, the iron head floated to the top of the surface and reconnected itself onto the stick. And then Elisha tells the servant, now reach out, go out there and get it and bring it back. That was the story. Now what's really kind of interesting about that obscure story is that right after you read this, you, in the passage, it just moves on to something else. So it's kind of like, what? Is that just a commercial? What was that? What's the reason for reading this odd uh, situational story that took place on that day? And you're going to find it's a very powerful example of something that all of us in this room, I know that there's going to be a majority of believers in this room. I sure hope so. And I know that there's going to be those who are not because you're, you're trying to figure out what the Christianity thing is all about. There's a mixture of everybody. Everyone's spiritual journey is different. And this message right here is for all of us here today, Christians, non-Christians, Christians walking with God, especially those who are backslidden. This is for you. This is the message for us today. 
Every single thing in this story today that we just read, it focuses on the recovery of the axe head. What is the axe head? The axe head is the cutting edge. That's what the axe head is. Today, I want all of us to take a look at the cutting edge of all believers. What is the cutting edge of all believers? The cutting edge of all believers is that person who provides our staying power. Uh, it is the one who resides inside of you and inside of, uh, of, side of me. It is the one who came to live within you the moment you gave your life to Christ. When you cried out to Jesus, asking for his forgiveness, uh, determining to follow him as Lord, you repented of your sins, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit immediately came into you. In other words, you got possessed. Some of you have been possessed by something different, but for the majority of us, it's a good thing. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. That's who God gives us the moment when we trust in His Son. He is now living in you. The Holy Spirit for the believer, is our cutting edge. Uh, Paul stated in 1 Corinthians 3.16, he said, Do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? In you. The Holy Spirit is our cutting edge. And when you look at verse 17 in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, consider what Paul said. He said, For if any man destroys the temple of God... God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. I want you to focus on just that ending right there. We know the Holy Spirit is inside of us, and the Bible says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That means if you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's there to stay. Otherwise, what is the purpose of a seal? You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And yet, at the end of 1 Corinthians 3.17, uh, Paul makes a comment. He says, uh, for you are holy, and he says, and that is exactly what you are. You're holy. You're holy. Peter carried this thought further when he said, in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 15 he said, as obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Your words, your actions, your reactions. And all these things, take the higher route. Be holy. I want to ask you right now. Think about this. It's just you. It's just you and God right now. Are you pursuing holiness in your life? Do you ever consider this thing, this term, this whatever we want to call holiness, do you ever consider its importance in your life? Do you understand that it's a vitally important thing to God that we be holy, that we act in a manner of being holy. In fact, you know, it's so important to God that did you know that the writer of Hebrews said, without holiness, no one will see God. 
Now, see, it's verses like that that get your attention. I mean, we're, we're listening to other stuff, but boy, when you hear those, it's like, okay, now say that again, I want to catch that, because I kind of want to see God. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. There is a misunderstanding in the Christian community today as to what holiness is. And I feel it's really important to first take a look at what it's not. Holiness is not about being a boring, gloomy-eyed, sanctimonious recluse. That's the thought that comes to many a minds when you think of that term holiness. It does not mean being pious or religious. In my mind, it's easy to kind of go to uh, those monks that you see on Monty Python uh, as they're walking around in their togas with the books, just hitting themselves in the head as they're walking. I mean, it's just weird. It's just holiness. It's just single-minded. It's just religious. It's just boring. It's just, what is that? That's the mindset a lot of people have of holiness. That's not what holiness is. That's not even close to what holiness is. Uh, before God. God is calling every single one of us in this room to a higher state of of being, uh, a standard of being holy. He's calling us to aim higher in our mentality, not just in our morality. Jack Graham said this. He said, the word holy means to be separated. You know that God is holy, Well, he's so holy, in fact, that he is totally separate from humanity in that sense. That's why we don't see him right now. He's real, but we don't see him. He is totally separated from sin. And in the whole universe, God is unique and he is distinct in his holiness. And because God is holy, unique and different, You and I are called to be like Him in how we live. We are called to live holy lives totally separated under God. Now, you might be asking yourselves, what does it really matter? I mean, for real, what does it really matter? I'm going to tell you why. You see, the world is unholy and it's marred by sin. The world does not know God doesn't know anything about God or what God is like. But when you and when I live pure and holy lives in this impure world that we live in, we stand out like a beacon to those around us. In this way, others can find Jesus through the example uh, that was set forth in your life. On that note, let me ask you this. How many of you here this morning, you were led to the Lord or you found the Lord based off of the example of someone else that was in your life? And that is what you credit to the very thing that drew you to knowing and finding Jesus. How many of you here today? That's how I got saved. Holiness is a really big deal because holiness, if if lived out in the way it's supposed to be, isn't something that makes you look religious at all. It just makes you looking very different. And that's what we are. We're supposed to be different. One more verse to burn this thought into your minds can be found in Ephesians 3.20. When Paul told the Ephesus believers, he said, Now to him 
who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. What is that power that is within you? It is the Holy Spirit. That is your cutting edge. The Holy Spirit is nothing about you that has power. That is why the Bible says we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You were baptized with the Holy Spirit the moment you found Jesus. But do you know, that's a one-time event, and that's the only time it happens. But do you know, every single day when we get out of bed, we are told to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means we're not going to be filled with us. So when things happen, we're not going to respond the way that our human nature wants to respond. We're going to respond in the way that God wants us to. Why? Because there's someone else within us that's driving this ship. There's another power that is within us that is, <clears throat> that is pushing us toward the mark where we need to go. It is the power that will be so powerful that it's going to get the attention of those who are around you based on the fact of the way you act or react to things. We're to be filled. There is the power. You know, last week we talked about what it means to do away with the old man and what it means to live with the new man that is within us. That new man is a new creation. Um, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all new things have come. And when those new things come, why do those new things come? Why, what creates those desires, those, those drives, that, 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 that push that makes you want to uh, do things different? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is that one person that we just don't talk about a whole lot in Southern Baptist life. And I know why. You know, in the old Baptist hymnal, if you wanted to ever read stuff about God, the Father, it, when you looked at the back and it had all the songs and, and what pages, you could look up the theme. And you can see this in any hymnal that you'll find, and there'll be hundreds of references to God the Father. If you look up Jesus Christ, well, get ready. I mean, oh my gosh, there's just, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ver uh, songs that pertains to Jesus Christ. Now, as a kind of a morbid, sick thing, if you looked up, well, what about the Holy Spirit? Three. <laughs> three? Just three? And that always stood out to me. It was the Holy Spirit that created the world. We read that in Genesis. And the Spirit of the Lord moved across the face of the, uh, of the waters. It's the Holy Spirit that creates a new you. The Bible talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, what to do with them, what not to do with them. And we're going to talk about that. The Holy Spirit is your cutting edge. The Holy Spirit within you has all the power to help you and me face every single thing that we face. The really tough times. It's the Holy Spirit that carries you. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that the Bible says when times get so hard that you can't even formulate the words to express how you feel. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will intercede at that time on your behalf to God. The Holy Spirit. 
If you're not walking in a manner worthy of the gospel this morning, this message is for you. Because I want to talk to you about what it means to regain the cutting edge again in your life. That is the Holy Spirit. Um, you're in a great place right now this morning. Uh, today's message are for those who are trying to recover the cutting edge. Point number one in your bulletin. In order to recover the cutting edge, there needs to be an admission. Admission. You see that in verse 5 of this passage. Uh, verse 5, it says, But as he was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. You know, there's a few people today that can live without the cutting edge, and they never admit it. They never admit it. In fact, do you know a really scary place for a person to be um, that does not have the cutting edge going in their life as a long-time consistent church member? Now you think, that can't be right. I want you to think about it this way. It is so easy within Christian circles, in all churches, not red, all churches, the universal churches, for people who were once upon a time walking with God, they're not walking with God now anymore. They're living for themselves. They're pleasing themselves. They're not even thinking about God. But yet, you can get so accustomed to doing the church thing that you just blend right in. You can gossip, you can slander, and it doesn't bother you. Why? Because you're just, it's a pattern. You do it. And you do it around people, and you do it enough, then some of those people start doing it. Why? Because you're going to pick up the bad habits of everyone that's around you all the time. It's just, you're human. A scary place to be, if you do not have the cutting edge, is if you remain in that state, but you stay consistent within the church. And the reason for that is because you can get comfortable. And when you're comfortable, there's no need to look for a, a way out of this situation, because, hey, everything's going pretty good. I feel pretty good. But if you're not walking with the Lord, you shouldn't feel pretty good. That is not the way that we are wired once we have this, this, this new life, when the Holy Spirit comes into us. And then if given enough time, you're going to convince yourself that things are going really good, really good. And that need for God, it's, it's, it's just not going to be there. You can fool yourself, you can fool others, but you're never, ever, ever going to be able to fool the Lord. You need to come to a point in your life when you can admit what the problems are and what they're not. If you want to see God move in your life, agree with God on what your sin is. Just agree. He already knows it. Just agree. Don't run. Don't redefine. Quit playing the blame game. Own it. Own it and admit it. You know why God wants us to admit sin? Because by admitting, we are declaring that we just can't do it. Does he do it to embarrass us? No. Does he do it so that it, it's in a way it kind of puts us down and makes him look higher and, and uh, because he's showing us who is boss? No. You know why he's doing it? Because it keeps us humble. 
it reminds us maybe we're not the master of our own domain, right? The reason why we admit it is because we need to agree with him what the obvious truth is. And the obvious truth is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Everybody. You, me, Marilyn Manson, Billy Graham, everybody. No one gets out of this life squeaky clean. We're sinners, and we were born in sin. You need to admit it. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be uh, healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man will accomplish much. You need to admit it. Point number two. You need to acknowledge. You need to acknowledge what had happened. In verses 5 and 6, I already read verse 5, but in verse 6 it says, Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and he threw it in there and he made the iron float. You need to acknowledge. Did you catch this little bitty thing here, what the servant said to the prophet Elisha? What did he say? Alas, my master, it was borrowed. It's not mine. Now, we lose an axe head or a tool, then we just we do one of two things. We go to the church and we borrow their tools and we never give them back. That's why we buy tools all the time up here. They just walk off. Or you just go to Lowe's and get another tool. Well, Lowe's wasn't open that day. So they couldn't just go down to the hardware store and buy another axe. The value of that axe head was a, a, an equivalent to half a year's wages. So now you see why it was a big deal. It was a big deal. So that is why the servant called over the prophet and he said, it's not even mine. I'm in a world of hurt. I need help. It was borrowed. Um, on that note, I want you to think about this. We do not possess the power of God as much as the power of God possesses us. And that is true. Y'all, that is really, really true. We don't have as much of a handle on the Lord as much as the Lord has a handle on us. He possesses us. The actions of this servant are worth imitating. He acknowledged where he lost it. Now, do you see the bridge right there? Where were you at when you lost your cutting edge? Think about that. Where were you at when you lost your cutting edge? If you're not walking the way you're supposed to be walking, you're going to know why. Where did it happen? What took place? What got you off track? You need to acknowledge it. When you really begin to understand, I need the Lord to handle everything that's going on in my life, you're going to now start acknowledging where you lost it. You know why? Because you're ready for an answer. And that answer is Jesus. And Jesus is going to come through, but you're going to go to him on his terms. You need to acknowledge it. Where were you at when you lost the cutting edge? Paul told the Thessalonian believers in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, he said, Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Paul told the, uh, the Ephesian believers in, in Ephesus 4.30, he said, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. 
And then Paul told the Galatian believers in 5, 16 and 17, he said, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Don't grieve Him. Walk with Him. Just acknowledge to Him where you lost it. And accept His forgiveness. Point number three. We need uh, to remember that word acceptance. Acceptance in verse 6. Because in verse 6 again, he says, where, where, did it, uh, where did it fall? He threw a stick and then he made the iron float. Um, this young man, during this moment, was willing to wait on the supernatural power of God to see the miracle that happened. To us, we don't see that as a really big deal. It was an extremely big deal to this guy on that day. He was willing to wait on God to move. Waiting is probably the worst, hardest thing any one of us can do. It can be super serious, or it can be not serious at all, but it's a big deal to you, and waiting can feel like an eternity, an eternity. But he was willing, he was willing to wait. You know what the biggest problem that we will do in our life as believers? The biggest problem we will face as believers more than any other thing that could ever happen to your life is this. There will be times in your life when you are so challenged by something that is so painful and it is so hard and you will start to focus so much on that giant that you'll lose focus on who God is that you'll begin to buy into the lie that iron doesn't float. In other words, you're going to start believing nothing can be done to fix this problem. You sit your eyes on the object and you forget who you serve. All of us will do that from time to time. Iron doesn't float. You can have your sins forgiven. No, no, you don't know what I've done. Iron doesn't float. This church, this church right here, it's never ever going to succeed. You know what goes on at that church? Iron doesn't float. You know what? That relationship you're in, just give up. Divorce. Go on. Get out. It's never going to work out. Nothing will ever happen to fix that problem. You know why? Because iron doesn't float. You see where I'm going with this? We so focus on that negative that we forget what God can do. And we, we so get entrapped in, uh, in, in, in that mindset that we are now alienated and we're isolated from everything, everyone, and from the Word that gives us the answers when God is up there saying, you hang in there. I got this. I can do this. I know what's going on. Even at the times when he seems so far removed, you're wondering, God, don't you, where are you at? He knows. He knows. But we need to, we need to wait on the supernatural movement of God to intervene. 
You know, it's only by completely turning to Him that you're going to see the supernatural take place in your life. No matter how it looks to Him. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, He said, you know, with men, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. Christ today is asking you. He's asking me. He is compelling us to return to Him by faith and allow Him to show you that irons, uh, iron heads, uh, the axe heads, they, they float. I read one in here that it floats. And I know why it floats. Remember, the Bible says in Colossians 1.13 that we have been delivered from the power of darkness and we have been conveyed into the kingdom of the Son. 1 John 4.4 4, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who is it that is in you? It's the Holy Spirit. It is your cutting edge. Whether you're looking at something that has to do with a, a physical problem whether you're looking at something that is a financial problem, whether you're looking at something that has to do with a wayward problem, know this. God can make all the axes, all the iron heads, they can float to the top because God can make it happen. And God wants to make those things happen. He'll do it. But it's about acceptance. And then last, the fourth point, we need to take action. If you look in verse 7, it says, And he said, Take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand, and he took it. All he had to do was reach out and take it. That was it. You know, the only thing that some of you here this morning that you need to do, you just need to reach out and take what Christ has done for you and apply it to your, to your life. Apply it to your heart. Take it in. Repent. Stop doing what you're doing that's wrecking your life and start going His way. Go the way of the cross. For some of us here today, you know what you need to do. You know where it was where you lost it. And now God, all God is saying to you this morning, just come to me. Just reach out and take the grace that God gives because of what His Son uh, did for you by dying for you on the cross you know the whole rest of this story right here hinges on that one last point you have to reach out and take it i cannot ride the coattails of people around me who are going to heaven i have to reach out and embrace salvation for myself doesn't matter who i live with doesn't matter who mentors me doesn't matter who teaches the point at the end of the day is this. I'm responsible for my sin condition. I'm going to be held liable for the things that I do. I have to reach out and take it. If you're here this morning and you're struggling in whatever way, physical, spiritual, mental, whatever, you just need to have a, you just need to have a talk with the Lord, and you need to agree with Him as to what it is that's going on. You need to agree with Him by acknowledging where you lost it. You need to be willing to accept the fact that God can take care of this problem 
You just need to wait on him to do so. And when that time comes, you need to just reach out and grab it. You just need to reach out and grab it. You know, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So when we admit to him that we have sinned, we acknowledge to him that we are unable and utterly hopeless when we accept his ability to do the impossible and to take action by taking him at his word and believe that God is able, then you're going to begin to see the things change in your life and that cutting edge of the Holy Spirit is going to begin to lead and move through you in your life. And all your job, the only job that you have to do in seeing all this happen is to reach out and take it. Because Jesus has already done all the work. We just need to put our eyes on him because he's the difference maker. Let's pray. Father, we just want to come before you right now. And God, we want to thank you for your word today and what you have told us about what it means to recover the cutting edge in our life. And God, I just know that there are those here and they've been struggling. Every single one of us in this room, we struggle. God, I just pray that today that you would help us to turn our eyes back towards you. God, I know there are those in this room, they just they need prayer. Whatever the situation is, it's tough, and they just need encouragement. God, that a lot of times can get our eyes off of the prize, and it can really help us to, to see the obstacles being bigger than who you are, and you're able to take care of those things. And God, I just want to ask that you would help us today to see you in a different light. God, that we would be reminded that maybe all we need to do is a, a call out to you and tell you what our problem is. And then by faith, we're going to believe that you're going to come in and do something about it. Lord, I just pray and ask that today that you would help all of us to hear from you. I pray, God, that you would help us to be reminded that you are wanting to do the impossible, to show who you are. And God, just how much you love us. I pray, God, today that for those who maybe they don't know what all this means, know this, they can have their sins forgiven. They can be set free from whatever bondage they have if they will accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God, there's nothing too difficult for you nor is anything impossible for you to do. So, Lord, it's my prayer this morning. You would help us all to remember this as we leave because we need to have our cutting edge going on because there's a whole lot of people out there that need to know that there's a real difference out there and that difference can change your life completely. We ask these things right now in Jesus' name. Amen.